What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 121 of the Roto Sauce Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Sauce, and on the line with me, Jeff Dumont, back again for the Gridiron Throne. We're talking NFL, we're talking Game of Thrones, as usual, and Jeff, how you doing, man? Are, are, are you sad after we lost so many characters in GOT? A little sad. I, I was tearing up a little bit when Jamie and uh, Cersei died a little bit. Did you see Aaron Rodgers get burnt, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I I saw that meme or the, those screen caps, and it's like, eh, didn't look enough like him for me to even like acknowledge it. I was like, yeah, that, that's cute, but you know, not right. for me. I don't buy it. Yeah, I know he was in the episode. I saw like one post thing, and he was part of it. I, it's, nobody really knows where he was. He was like in the background somewhere. I'd like to think he was the one that got burnt. Because, like, five episodes ago, I related Daenerys to Aaron Rodgers. I was like, and, and uh, like, like Aaron Rodgers is Daenerys, and it's funny that Daenerys is the one that burnt Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I didn't know that he was actually in it, and if he was, then that might have been him. But, I don't know, the screen caps that I saw were not super convincing to me. You you go right. way deeper on, like, the, uh, like the, the Reddit threads here on Game of Thrones than I do. I didn't realize <laughs> that, and I probably should have figured that out before I got into this next character to die draft with you, because... <laughs> Jesus, you mopped the floor with me in this last episode. But but let's save all that conversation for later. we got to talk NFL up front, as usual. Last episode, we talked about running backs outside of the elite tiers that, you know, we're not really sure. Can we trust them? Can we not? I think we did rounds three through five of ADP at the running back position. And today, I want to go back to that same sort of premise, but at the wide receiver position. I do want to start by having a conversation about the round three wide receivers. We're going to dive a little deeper on rounds four and five, but round three, I just kind of want to get out of the way just for some amount of congruity with our running back discussion. But in round three, you're looking at Adam Thielen, Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton, Amari Cooper, A.J. Green, Stephon Diggs. I kind of want to just gloss over those guys because I'm not really worried about any of them. Do any of those guys worry you or is there any one of those players that you are avoiding in drafts at that cost? I'm not really avoiding any of them. Um, I, I like all of them. I think Cooper has wide receiver one upside. Um, I like both the Minnesota guys. Uh, AJ Green seems like he's the best value he's been in the last like eight, nine years. I know he's 31, but he's fully recovered from, I think it was turf toe. So yeah, I like them all. They're, they're all good values. Yeah, and once again, we're talking best ball 1080p, which is based off PPR scoring. So that's why you'll see a guy like Keenan Allen ahead of some of these other, you know, more burner types like T.Y. Hilton and A.J. Green. Like that PPR monster that Allen is is going to elevate his stock in that format. So I, I don't know. I think he's probably the biggest question mark for me of this group because he never quite seems to live up to my expectations or, or to ADPs. The expectations that I have based upon his ADP, I rarely end up with him, and I rarely feel bad about missing out on Keenan Allen, even though I do acknowledge that he's a very good player, and in you know full PPR scoring, he has a lot of value. I guess maybe just because I tend to play half-point PPR and no PPR that Keenan Allen... I, I, I just I don't see it. Like He's the one guy here that I, I would rather draft, I think, all of these other wide receivers before I draft Keenan Allen. Does that make sense? Do you feel me on that? Yeah, definitely. It seems like his touchdown upside is always capped. He's always like an intermediate, like short route runner. Like he has the in a full PPR, of course. He he has the potential to get like 120 catches, but but yeah, it's it's really up and down with him when it comes to touchdowns. Um, yeah, if I, if I were in like a full PPR season long league, he's still safe. But yeah, his his upside is, is capped. The only other thing that makes me nervous in this group is that Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are both here, and they're at bookends of the round. Like Adam Thielen's going at ADP twenty four point eight, which is you know basically right at the start of the third round, and Diggs is going at thirty one point six at the end of the round, but. Do you think that Minnesota's offense is really going to support two, you know, top 12 or top 15 wide receivers? 
I mean, they have in in the past. I think the worst case scenario with Minnesota was last year. Cousins, the first year with the team and in that system. I think they're going to be a little bit better uh, this upcoming in 2019. If I had a guess, I mean, I would much rather take Diggs at that value uh, than Thielen. Thielen, you're buying at his peak. But uh, Diggs has obviously obvious higher upside. And uh, I, I would, I'm definitely going to buy in on Diggs more, more than Thielen. I think they could both produce top 10 seasons, definitely. Yeah, if they had the same ADP, if, if they were literally equal. And I mean, really, it, because they're so close, they kind of do. Like, you, if you're picking a in the third round and you're taking a Vikings wide receiver, you can only get one of them, right? Which one would you take, like, if they're both on the board? Would you take Thielen first? Uh, I probably still would. Um, I, more more likely, I'm just going to wait for Diggs. I'll probably take another player running back or another receiver over Thielen. I'm probably not going to have many, uh, many shares of Thielen because I just think you're paying up for a career year. I don't think he's going to put up the stats he did last year. But Diggs, on the other hand, he could easily be – if I had a bet, I would bet that Diggs does better than Thielen. But it doesn't mean Thielen's not going to be good. You know? Right. It's all about the value. It's all about the cost. But yeah, that, yeah. those are the round three guys. Uh, we like all of them. That's kind of the big takeaway here. And that's why we're not going to dive too much deeper. Let's get into rounds four and five. And we're going to try to go rapid fire like we did with the running backs last week. And I'm going to throw out a name. I'm going to throw out the ADP. And you tell me whether you're in or you're out at that cost. And the first guy, uh, the wide receiver 15, is Brandon Cook's ADP of 40.0. Uh, and this ADP is stuff that I looked up yesterday uh, on mm. May 13th. Uh, and it's from May 1st until then uh, on Fantasy ADHD's uh, Best Ball 10 ADP app over at Fantasy Insider. So that's where I'm pulling this information from. But yeah, first first guy up, Brandon Cooks, ADP 40.0. You in or you out? I'm in. I'm, in, I'm huge in. A high, high floor and high upside. And that offense in that age, he's, he's so good. I, I think he should be 10 picks higher. I love Cooks. I don't love him as much as no. most other people, but I think that this is a fine value. Like, especially if you compare him to someone like Keenan Allen or T.Y. Hilton, you're getting, I feel like, a similar pedigree of player at a lower cost, and I'm, I'm fine with that. So I'm fine with him going there, yeah. but truthfully, I'm probably just not taking him here and waiting until later. Next up, Kenny Galladay, ADP 40.9. I like it. I'm buying on that one, too. Uh, he's baby Tron, man. He's the next Calvin Johnson. Uh, I mean, if you just watch him play, that dude is freaking amazing um i wouldn't be surprised if he's also a wide receiver one top 12 guy right and speaking of like worst case scenario like you were talking about with the vikings offense like the detroit offense was a total dumpster fire last year and if they're going to bounce back in any way galladay is going to be a big part of that so yeah i'm I'm definitely in on him i like him more than cooks i would draft him Mm. ahead of cooks next up julian edelman wide receiver 17 adp 42.0 what do you think i'm selling definitely selling uh it's more more palatable in a full pbr but uh, the Patriots, uh, they, they added so much to the wide receiver crew. They're obviously playing for the playoffs. Um, Edelman, he'll get the receptions, but low touchdowns. I'd say 1,000 yards, 90, uh, 90 receptions, and only five touchdowns. See, you say that they added so much in the wide receiver core. Weren't you <laughs> saying that about like Aaron Rodgers and all those rookies they added last year? Like When it comes down to it, these aged like veteran quarterbacks are going to throw to the guys that they trust and with Gronkowski gone in New England I just think that means more and more targets for Edelman and you know the running back side of the backfield the guys they already have essentially and so I'm not so quick to bury Edelman I I think that he's fine at this cost especially in PPR I mean you're right with Gronkowski I mean Edelman will be the main target in the middle of the field and his 
his floor is so good. That's what it is. If you if you went high upside your first three or four picks, Edelman is the perfect guy to take at that range. <laughs> Next up is Robert Woods, ADP 44.0. Another Ram here right after Cooks, same round. Like, What do you think about that, and are you taking Woods at this cost? Probably not. Uh, I, I do. I love that offense so much. I mean, Woods and Cup, I know, are right back to back. I don't know. I like Cooks so much. I think he's going to separate from the field. But uh, it doesn't mean that Woods won't be good. I, I'm selling on that, though, on Woods. I, I'm out on Woods here, but more because of how close these guys all are. Because the next guy up is Cooper Cup at ADP of 49.9. And I, I just don't see a way in which all three of these guys return round four value or round five value. Like, I do you, do you understand that? Like, Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Uh, the, the Rams are playing for the playoffs. I, I, I think that they're just gonna just get by, and uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, I, I totally understand there. <laughs> I have some some big questions here. One, how much is the shaky, you know, injury outlook for Todd Gurley going to affect the passing volume in this offense? Because the Rams already threw a lot, and so if that ticks up another notch, if they enter into like the, the upper stratosphere of passing volume, then maybe all three of these guys do hit, but. Typically, when I look at a situation like this with so many wide receivers from the same team clustered so tightly together, I usually just want the cheapest one. And in that case, that's Cup. And the other thing I like mm-hmm. about Cup is that he tends to be their best red zone guy and a guy that yeah. Goff specifically looks for and Sean McVay seems to specifically game plan for in the red zone. And with that in mind, he's probably my favorite of the three relative to value, if only because he's going later than Cooks and later than Woods. With that said, because this is such a nebulous situation, because it's hard to say which one of these guys is going to be the fantasy wide receiver one, I I might be avoiding all three. But like I said, I think Cup is my favorite because he's the cheapest. Yeah, it's all about value. I I feel that. Uh, Cup is essentially Edelman, but possibly in a better offense. The thing is, he's coming out of the ACL, so I wouldn't expect much from him for the first five, six weeks, even maybe uh, up to eight weeks. But I can see down the stretch. I always talk about, like, taking guys that will help you in the second half of the season if you expect to make the playoffs in your league, and you should. Um, Yeah, I would be taking Cup for a second-half kind of guy. But I think he might be a little quiet uh, in the opening weeks. Yeah, I mean, that is the big elephant in the room here, right, is can he be fully healthy to start the season? And we'll get a good feel for that as the offseason plays out, as training camp and the preseason play out. If it doesn't seem like he's 100%, like he's definitely going to fall down ADP. He's going to fall down my evaluations. But at this point, because it's so early, I'm kind of assuming that all these guys are going to be ready for week one. And if that's the case, then I'm okay with Cup. But yeah, like I said, I'm probably avoiding all three of the Rams wide receivers because it's just such a crapshoot. Next up, wide receiver 20, DJ Moore, ADP 51.6. Are you in or out? I'm out. I'm out. I'm out on Carolina's entire offense, as you know. Um, Moore, no. Uh, I think there's uh, too too many many options there. Carolina, I don't think it's going to be very good. I I know Moore, I think it was the second round pick last year. He's got a lot of talent, but uh, I'm, I'm selling on Cam Newton a lot. So therefore, I'll have to sell on. Yeah, I still don't quite understand why you, I I understand that you would sell the passing offense, but then not, you know, inflate Christian McCaffrey as, you know, the benefactor, the guy who's going to receive more volume because of that. But we've had the discussion before, listeners, if you're interested in that, check out previous episodes. But uh, I'm I'm actually out on more for the same reason. Like, there are just other players at the same position available later, and we're going to get to some of them soon that I like just as much as more. I wouldn't say I'd like them more than more, but... (laughs) I, I really didn't want to say that, but then I couldn't think of a better way to phrase it. So uh, here we to. are. A- anyway, Moore isn't a guy you're who I, a perfect dad. <laughs> <laughs> Moore isn't a player that I like so much 
uh, more, goddammit, than all these <laughs> other guys we're going to talk about later in the round. And so with that in mind, I would just pass on him at this cost because I do have question marks about Newton and that offense. Next up is a guy who I would definitely take over DJ Moore, and that's Chris Godwin, ADP 53.1. The hype on this guy has been through the roof. I, I still want to buy it, though. How about you? Yeah, absolutely buying it. I mean, the dude's got God and Win in his name. I mean, how can he not be good? <laughs> is that a good win? No, um, I like him a lot. They lost uh, Jackson, obviously, and Tampa Bay uh, will only be better. It's another, They were so good last year on offense. I feel like Jameis is going to take a next step up. Godwin will be on the field much more. He was running as the fourth wide receiver in the offense and still putting up some pretty good numbers. Uh, so, yeah, God, love, love Godwin. Yeah, the big rub with me for Godwin is that I, I do think Tampa Bay's efficiency is going to have to improve if he's going to deliver on this draft cost. And, and same for Winston, same for everybody else who were inflating based upon Bruce Arians going into that offense because they were already one of the top volume passing attacks last season like i mm-hmm. think they had more passing yards than anybody and they were top five in attempts like they, they passed the ball a lot so i don't necessarily know if the volume can get much better and with that in mind if we're really forecasting some sort of step up for this offense they're going to have to be more efficient now hopefully arians yeah. does that right hopefully arians can deliver on that and reward us for believing but i i do think that is a little bit more of a question mark than a lot of people would like to admit with that said even if they're not more efficient, as long as the volume's there, like we're going to see plenty of passing stats in that offense. And like you said, DJX is gone. Godwin is still there. And this is a really good spot for him. Uh, next up in ADP is Tyree Kill, but we I, I don't even yeah. want to talk about him. Um, we can't nah. draft him here. Uh, after that, Jarvis Landry, the much maligned Jarvis Landry, ADP 55.0. In or out? In, on a full PPR especially, in uh... – I mean, uh, he was uh, the bona fide number one wideout in a Tyrod Taylor offense last year. I mean, what you saw last year is his absolute floor. Uh, he's reuniting with his buddy, uh, OBJ. So, um, yeah, uh, high, uh, super high um, uh, catches, um, you know, potential. And, uh, yeah, he'll be, he'll be good. He'll, he'll be real good. Yeah, I think he's fine for PPR. In other formats, I'm not touching him at this cost, although he wouldn't be going this high if it wasn't PPR. I, I'm actually not a big Landry guy. I never have been. Uh, but with that in mind, I think this cost is fair yeah. enough. I, I think he's he's pretty much Edelman, but in potentially a more uh, explosive offense under with Mayfield. I mean, I like him a lot. Yeah, you can say that, and I and I get that comparison. But at the same time, like I don't think Landry has the you know the rapport with his quarterback as much as Edelman does with Brady, and so I don't think Landry's yeah. going to see quite as many targets, especially with Beckham there in Cleveland. There's just Right. Too many red flags for me to really be excited about him at this cost. Like, I think that he's a fine player. I think that he's going to get enough targets to pay off at least reasonable value at this price. But I I don't know. I think he's probably still a little overrated, even though he's kind of slipped down draft boards a bit. Right. I buy that. His touchdown total is always kind of low. I mean, for a guy that gets so many targets, like, you can't expect more than about six touchdowns. But, I mean, I think you could shoe in over 1,000 yards and about 100 catches. Uh, so, in a full PPR, I think he, that's where you want him. But even in a half P- PPR, I might be avoiding. I'll still probably get him, but I'll be avo- definitely targeting him in basketballs and full PPRs. Next up, another guy who's really rising up draft boards is Tyler Lockett with Doug Baldwin yeah. retired, as you know you informed me of on the last episode. <laughs> uh, Tyler Lockett is their de facto wide receiver one. Now, they did bring in DK Metcalf. They brought in Gary Jennings, another rookie, and they still have David Moore. Uh, but what do you think about Lockett at ADP 56.3? 
I'm I'm out. I mean, he's he's moving up the board way too quickly. Um, I mean, if he changes his game, if he uh, if if he does get a high target share and and you know if he if he continues to be as efficient as he was last year, then yeah, I'll be. I mean, I'll be regretting not taking him, but I'm out. I just uh, I don't think he could be a number one wide receiver. I mean, the conceit on the last episode was that this was a tough evaluation for me, and that was when I thought yeah. Baldwin may or may not play. Now we know that Baldwin's out. Like, I still think this is a tough evaluation because I don't know if Tyler Lockett is a bona fide wide receiver one. With that said, I think the targets are going to be there. The question for me is, can he hold up physically, and can he hold mm-hmm. up to the defensive attention he's going to get as the top threat? Because last year he was insanely efficient, like as yeah. efficient as you can possibly be for a wide receiver. And so we know that's going to regress to some extent. The question is, can he make up for that regression with a boost in volume? And the only way that's going to work is if he stays healthy. He's had a hard time doing that. So it's a really tough evaluation. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. trust him at this price, so I'm with you there. With that said, the upside is definitely there, and I think you can yeah. even make the case that he he should be going ahead of Landry and Godwin and Moore and Cup and Woods up closer to Edelman and Galladay because, like Edelman and Galladay, he is like the locked in wide receiver one as far as we know. And so, yeah, I, I get it. Like I get why he's climbing up draft boards. I think it makes sense. I just am going to be really afraid to pull the trigger in that spot. And you know, with that in mind, once you start to get into that range where you start to have the big question marks about the wide receivers that's when you can start to think about okay what about other positions can i look at a running back or a tight end or maybe a quarterback in a two qb league here in this round and say okay do my fears about Lockett justify me going a different direction then you have to ask the same question about you know your fears for whoever else you might be taking at that other position right but those are the i'd love draft strategy man this is the the best part of the game screw like playing out the season just like let me draft all the time that's why best ball is so great Right, yeah. I'm probably going to have about 100 best ball teams this year because it's so freaking fun. It's the best part of the game. Yeah, it's kind of monotonous, uh, monotonous to wake up every, like, Tuesday and just, like, put in put in uh, waiver claims. Yeah, it's all about drafting, man. Well, it. and on top of that, it's so much easier to do best ball drafts now than ever before. There are just so many more places you can play. Uh, you know, in yeah. addition to best ball tens, you have draft, you have uh, the NF- NFC or NFFC. I can never yeah. remember the acronyms. Yeah, but... yeah, you're right. NFFC. Yeah, just, just Google <laughs> Google that shit, people. Um, but anyway, like, I'm excited about Lockett in best ball specifically because you can take yes. the risk with the reward. And I think that there are going to be plenty of weeks where the reward is there. Uh, but let's yeah. move on. Next up. Wide receiver 25, Allen Robinson, ADP 57.8. This is a tough one for me. Uh, yeah, it, it is a little tough. I like him uh, much more than Lockett. I, I think he's a high floor, high upside. Two years coming off. He has got two years to recover from the torn ACL. And uh, that offense is only ascending. One more year in Nagy's offense. Uh, Robinson is a stud. I believe he's only like 27, 28. And he got paid the big bucks to be a wide receiver one and put up numbers. So, I mean, this is a steal at 58 overall. That's, that's a steal. He's so good. I like Allen Robinson, the player, and I like the offense. My concern is that that offense is going to be a little too spread and around, kind of like the, you know, the Eagles over the past couple yeah. of years. Like we know that they're going to have that type of mentality that, you know, throw to the open guy. And one thing I don't like about Robinson that I do like about Lockett is the quarterback throwing him the ball, right? Like with Tyler Lockett, right. you get Russell Wilson on the, on the other end of those passes. With Allen Robinson, it's Mitchell Trubisky. And while we yeah. saw Trubisky have some really big games last year, I don't trust him to be that week in, week out, you know, guy who's going to make sure that Allen Robinson gets fed and gets his. And so I'm actually, I'm probably out on Robinson at this cost, although yeah. I'll, I'll end up with him here and there, you know, just because I, I'm going to want, you know, a share uh, or two, but I'm not super yeah. excited about this cost. Um, next up, Tyler Boyd, ADP 
I'm selling way out on on Boyd. Uh, I think uh, Green is the the, the number one guy. Uh, Boyd did well last year when Green went down, and it's still Andy Dalton offense. And he, he was he was playing way over his head. No, I'm I do not I'm not a big fan of Boyd. Totally agree. Anybody who pays this price is paying for stats that or a lot of stats that he accumulated when AJ Green wasn't on the field, and that's the big. The big picture for me, I'm not touching Boyd at this price. Next up, Sammy Watkins, ADP 59.0. I was surprised to see him this low, but you yeah. know, Tyreek Hill was above him on the list still, so we're going right. to have to wait for ADP to equilibrate here. Like, Truthfully, Sammy Watkins probably, after the Tyreek Hill news, would be going closer to, to Cooks and Galladay, would be my guess. In fact, I'll look that up, but tell me what yeah. you think about Watkins just as a fourth or fifth rounder. Are you in or are you out? I'm in. Uh, definitely in his fourth or fifth rounder. He's probably going to have uh, ADP closer to mid-40s, I'm guessing, uh, when draft season starts, like early fourth round. Um, with Watkins, you have to worry about him holding up for 16 games. We were talking about that last week. I mean, obviously, he's got um, all the skill set uh, you ever want in a wide receiver. He was like the number three pick overall. And, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm huge on that offense with that target share. He's going to be on the field all the time. He's getting paid the big bucks like Allen Robinson. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's, I don't, I, the only thing you have to worry about is him getting hurt and, and, uh, missing a big chunk of the season, just like he did last year. But in the games he did play last year, even with Bill around, he was still in the wide receiver two, wide receiver three range. So, I mean, he was good last year and he'll only be better this year. Yeah. And so I'm looking up if ADP has changed. And I don't know if this is an issue with the app or if people are just still willing to take a chance on Tyreek Hill, but I've filtered for, ADP from May 10th to May 14th. So just over the past few days and Hill is still at ADP 52.0. Uh, Watkins is down at ADP 61.4. So yeah, I don't know. For some reason that doesn't feel right to me. And with that in mind, like I should say that I'm in on Watkins at this cost with Hill likely to miss some time, if not the whole season, Watkins kind of like Lockett deserves to really step up. So I don't know. I, I think that this is a little strange to me, but we'll see how it plays out. I, I don't want to, yeah. I guess, count my hit chickens before they've hatched but i'm in yeah. on watkins at you know a fifth round price i think he's fine there definitely what's good about drafting right now is you're getting that value on watkins you know hill's gonna be suspended i think best case scenario hill's suspended for like eight to 12 weeks that's best case scenario more likely than not he's either gonna get cut from kansas city or get suspended for the entire season so i mean just draft right now and draft watkins right now at that value because come august september yeah he's gonna move up in the 40s definitely Right, and of course, of course, Jeff is speculating here. We we don't have any inside information yes. here, but this is the, yeah. that's the right way you have to approach this, right? That's the type of read you have to make when you're drafting and say, okay, what information do I have now? All signs point to Tyreek Hill probably not playing for the Chiefs this year, based upon what we know about previous suspensions and all that stuff. Yes. And with that in mind, there's potential value to be exploited, and because we're willing to draft right now, we can try to scoop up that value. Will it always play out that way? Will it always work out? No. I mean, remember the year right. that Adrian Peterson was coming off an ACL tear and there's like, oh, there's no way he'll be ready for week one. And of course he <laughs> comes in and just smashes right away. Like that totally took me by surprise, but I don't think that me my too. process was wrong that season. You know what I mean? And I think in this right. case, I'm taking a different sort of approach uh, with Hill and Watkins. I, I have to assume that Hill is not going to play. And if that's mm -hmm. the case, then Watkins has to go up in our evaluation. Now, the big question I have with him is, what about the other wide receivers on that team? Are we going to see more Demarcus Robinson? Are we going to see Nicole Hardman step mm -hmm. up and be like more of a wide receiver one? Like, are they going to spread it around more? I don't know. But at this point, yeah. again, I'm betting on the guy that I've seen uh, in Watkins, and I think that that's a, a fair way to approach the situation. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I'm right there with you. I wouldn't be. Uh, I know Miko Hardman is gaining a lot of steam just because he's so fast, and, and people think he's going to step right into the Tyreek Hill role. But in college, he was never a big part of the offense. Yeah, he's super talented, super fast, but uh, I think he he won't be more than a returner and gadget type of player. Look at Tyreek Hill. His first year in the, in the NFL, like in first I think two years, he he was very much just like a gadget type of guy. A guy that developed into a wide receiver, a really good wide receiver. So uh, they're hoping they're going to get that with, with uh, Hardman. But uh, no, right now it's Watkins is definitely number, the really number one wide receiver is Kelsey. But uh, but Watkins is going to get a really good target share. Totally. Yep. I mean, just in general, rookie wide receivers are always a little bit more risky than fantasy owners would like to admit. And so you got to yep. kind of keep that in mind when you think about Hardman. Now, the next segment I want to come to is what I'm going to call opportunity cost corner. And here mm-hmm. I want to look at some wide receivers, but I want to compare them to tight ends that are going at about the same ADP. And I'm going to throw out, you know, a, a tight end and a wide receiver, and we can discuss those two compared to each other, which one we'd rather draft. But the big picture I want you listeners to take away here is that think about the, as we go down the list where you're allegiances lie between positions right like and and so let's just get going the first is travis kelsey adp 13.5 or julio jones adp 13.8 so they're essentially at the same cost which one would you rather draft in that spot jeff i am big on kelsey actually um so the, the reason in a one qb league what i'm doing is either paying up for quarterback which is highly unlikely or paying up for tight end because there's about 20 legit possible QB ones, you shouldn't draft a QB until where you're going to draft a defense, the third to last round. And I think the best way to to construct a roster is to actually pay up for someone like Travis Kelsey and get, there's a huge drop-off from uh, tight end three to tight end four. And it's a week-to-week advantage with Travis Kelsey. So I'm huge, hugely in Kelsey. It's like, it's like Gronk was a league winner, even at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round five, six years ago. Kelsey's at that range now, especially because the quarterback position is just so deep. And uh, so I feel like you can you can load up in the next 10 rounds, load up on wide receivers and running backs. But if you if you want to take someone like Kelsey in round one, two range, then uh, I think you're getting a clear advantage. So to peek behind my curtain a little bit, I don't really want to pay up for a tight end or quarterback. Okay. And so with that in mind, I look at Kelsey being compared to Julio Jones and I'm just not taking a tight end when I can be getting an elite wide receiver like Jones. And so for me, it's an easy choice to take Julio. But with that said, I I understand why someone might want Kelsey here. It is a more sure thing at his position. I mean, I think Julio is a sure thing at wide receiver, and that's kind of why I prefer to go that direction because tight end is such a crapshoot. They get injured a lot. Kelsey's actually older than you might realize. I think that he's in his age 30 season right now. And so with all that in mind, like, as, as we're going to see as we go through this, I feel like the relative values, like you compare some of the tight ends we're going to see later to the wide receivers that are going at the same price, and you'll think to yourself, oh, well, then I'd rather just have the tight end. And so when I look at Kelsey versus Julio, that's a big opportunity cost. Giving up Julio to take Kelsey sucks, right? But if I'm giving up you know, Golden Tate to draft Austin Hooper, uh, you know, down in the, you know, eighth round or ninth round or whatever, that that's something I'm more willing to do. But uh, we're, we're going to get to Hooper and Tate soon. Uh, next yeah. up, uh, the wide or the tight end two, Zach Ertz against Mike Evans, uh, ADP 21.1 versus 21.6, respectively. What do you think about that comparison? Which one of those guys you prefer? I'll take Ertz too. I, I'm going to be in on the top three tight ends. Mike Evans, I didn't realize he had 1,500 yards last year, and it, it would seem like a real off season. Right. So I understand Evans' upside absolutely. I mean, he could be wide receiver one overall. 
So it's a win-win situation here. It depends on if you want to punt quarterback, like I said. But uh, it would be hard to pass up on Evans. But I'm taking Ertz. Yeah, I'm going to keep going the other way on this. I'm going to keep taking the, the top-end <laughs> wide receivers. I think this one's a little closer to me than Kelsey and Jones because, like you said, Evans, despite the fact that he had a ton of yards last year, did seem a little disappointing. And usually yeah. you can exploit that to some extent. Like that sort of recency bias is usually indications that a player is being undervalued. Uh, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know. I'm just not a big Ertz guy. Like, I think he's very yeah. good. I just worry that, you know, another year later with Dallas Goddard, again, we talked earlier about how the Eagles like to spread it around kind of like the Bears. And with that in mind, like, I don't know if Ertz is going to be that every week type of guy, whereas I'm pretty sure if yeah. you have Evans on your team, like, you're going to start him every week. And, and I'm, I shouldn't say that. Like, if I have Ertz on my team, I'm going to start him every week. My, <laughs> my point is that, like, you can kind of cobble together the tight end position or like a, a, a usable tight end easier mm-hmm. than you can cobble together a usable wide receiver one. And so yeah. with that in mind, I'm still leaning towards Evans. But um, yeah, I, I see the case for Ertz. I see the case for Kelsey. Like you're right. These top three tight ends, it is an argument. Um, so with that in mind, next up, George Kittle, ADP 23.5 or Adam Thielen, 24.8. We talked about Thielen earlier. Kittle's going, you know, in the round before just barely. Uh, but where are you at on these two guys? Um, I like, I like, I think I like Kittle more than Ertz even. So I'm absolutely in on, on Kittle. Um, I mean, you saw what he did last year. He is the next Gronkowski. And with Adam Thielen, you're paying up, like we talked about a few minutes ago. You're, you're paying up for his season that he had last year. And I just don't see Thielen, I think he's an undrafted guy. I, I really don't see him putting up those, those numbers again. So at 25 overall, that's that's a bit, uh, a bit pricey. But uh, Kittle's great, man. Go Niners. <laughs> yeah, I think both these guys are pretty similar, actually. They, they kind of profile as those like high-volume, uh, big touchdown upside type of threats. And so... This is the one that's probably the closest to me where I could see going either way. And I think a lot of the reasons why I'm more willing to draft Kittle than Ertz or Kelsey is just because Kittle's going later, right? Like, yeah. I can pass on Kelsey, take Julio, and hope that Kittle slides to me. And that that's that's reasonable, right? Um, it, if you pass on Ertz, you're probably... I mean, you might have a chance at Kittle in the next round, like at the very beginning of the third, right? And so mm-hmm. with that in mind, again, it's all about opportunity costs. Like, what are you giving up to take that tight end? And so with Kelsey and Ertz, I think it's too high. If you're getting the last of those elite tight ends, I think it's a little bit more palatable. Um, I like that. So too. I think this is a coin flip for me. I, I could see going either way. Um, but I, I like that Kittle is kind of the number one on his team, whereas with Thielen, we talked about earlier, you have to worry about him being pilfered a little bit by Diggs and maybe just by the fact that Minnesota wants to be a running team with Dalvin Cook. I'm not sure about that. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, with uh, with Kittle, I mean, man, talk about if you have the number one overall pick, you get Barkley, and you can you can come back around, get an elite wide receiver, and then either Ertz or Kittle, uh, like in the two three turn. That's you're starting off really good. It's a clear advantage, I think, uh, this year to get a number one and number two overall pick. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, you could do that at number two or number three or number four potentially as well. And so right. more more than ever, I mean, I preach this every year. Like you want as high of a draft pick as you can get even in a two quarterback league or whatever, where you might be worried about, Oh, if I'm too far, if I'm at one of the wheels or one of the turns, then maybe I'll lose out on some quarterback runs. Don't be afraid of that shit because quarterback is so deep. Like you, you can still end up with, you know, Marcus Mariota as the QB 27. Yeah. Marcus Mariota was terrible last year. I get it, but he's still a starting quarterback. He has rushing upside. Like these bad quarterbacks, quote unquote, are still usable in fantasy. And so with that in mind, like don't be afraid of positional runs. Just worry about getting as high in the draft as you can so that you can lock up that elite running back and then start to scoop up the values in the later rounds. Because it's all about, 
that initiative that you get by having an early pick. Like the sooner you get to pick, that means the sooner you, you get to start leveraging an advantage over your opponents in the draft. And I don't understand why people can't wrap their brains around that, but yeah. that, that's how I feel about it. That's the way my brain works. And I, I think yeah. I'm right. So deal with Fully it. Fully agree. <laughs> yeah. Deal with it. Sunglasses. <laughs> all right. So after Kittle, there is a big drop off. Uh, the tight end four is Hunter Henry. He's all the way down at ADP 62.6. So, this is kind of the argument I'm really going to make against taking those elite tight ends is that you can yeah. still get, you know, a top five, a top 10 tight end many, many rounds later. Right. And right. you only have to be better than maybe half the tight ends in your league uh, to kind of leverage that position. And and I think you can do that, especially if you hit on the right guy, if you pick the right player. I don't know if Hunter Henry is necessarily that guy, but one of the next handful of players we're going to talk about probably is, right? That elite right. tight end value that Kittle was last year or that Ertz was the year before. A guy yep. who you can get in the later rounds who ascends. And so that's yep. what I'm looking for to get with my tight end in a draft. And so Henry at 62.6. The yeah. closest wide receiver is Mike Williams. His teammate is 62.7. I think that that alone is interesting, right? Like, get to choose between these two similar threats. Because Mike Williams, let's be real, he's effectively a tight end, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> right? what do it's you think about fast. this? Like, which one of these guys would you rather draft, Jeff? <laughs> I um, it, it depends on how my team's built. Uh, I think maybe Henry, the fact that he tore his ACL uh, at the beginning of the season or in preseason, or actually it was before pre training camp, I think. And he came back during the playoffs. That tells me his ACL surgery went really well. So it, Hunter Henry has all the upside. He, he His talent, his skill set and talent, just as good as Ertz or Kittle. And if he is 100%, absolutely. That's 62.6. It's a huge value. He's one of the few guys that could ascend to be the number one overall tight end and you can get them. You don't have to pay a first or second. You don't have to pay a second or third round pick for them. But I like Mike Williams' upside too a lot. The fact that Tyrell Williams is gone uh, and Mike Williams is going to step in, obvious huge touchdown threat. I mean, he's one of those guys that you might, his touchdown floor might still be double digits. Like he's, he's that good in the red zone. So, uh, but you can't go wrong with either of these guys. I think maybe I'll, I'll go with uh, Hunter Henry over Williams, but it really depends on how my team's looking at that time. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is another one of those pure coin flips for me because I kind of spoiled my answer. Like, I think these guys are effectively the same type of player and they both right. play on the same team, right? So one week, Henry's going to be good. The next week, Mike Williams is going to be good. Yeah. I think I, with that in mind, I would err on the side of the tight end because it is a more scarce position. But with that said, Mike Williams is a little bit younger. He's not coming off an injury uh, although he has been injured before, so I, I, maybe that doesn't hold any water. But I, I think this is another one that's really close, like Kittle and Thielen. But when in doubt, here I would probably go with the tight end, just based on positional yeah. scarcity. Uh, next up, we have two clusters of guys. We have <laughs> Evan Ingram, 64.3, Eric Ebron, 64.5, and O.J. Howard, 65.9. I want to frame the question like this. Would you rather draft one of those tight ends, or would you rather draft one of the following wide receivers? Robbie Anderson, 70.6. Corey Davis, 71.6. Will Fuller, 73.2. Are you going tight end or wide receiver in that range? I'm a huge fan of Robbie Anderson, uh, so I'll be probably taking Robbie Anderson at 70. Um, I'm definitely out on Eric Ebron. I think you have groin surgery, and you're paying up for a a career career year. Uh, Evan Ebron's just like Hunter Henry. He's one of those guys that could ascend to be a top three tight end. He's that talented, but quarterback situations... You know, a big question mark. But yeah, Robbie Anderson, man, he, he could be amazing. Uh, I, his upside is through the roof. And uh, it, that's if Sam Darnold takes the, any kind of step up. So give me Robbie Anderson of all six of those guys. 
Yeah, I mean, and there is a gap here, right? Like, some of them are going up in, like, the 64, 65 range. The wide receivers right. are going in the 70, 73 range. So you're, you're actually going to have to pay up for the tight end here. And I think with that in mind, yeah. I will lean towards the wide receivers again. With that said, uh, I'm with you on Eric Ebron. I think that he's a, a total stay away based upon, you know, the situation that that team is in now where they're bringing in more receivers, more tight ends. Like, I just don't think he's going to see quite the same target volume as he did last year. That's a really dangerous pick. I like Evan Ingram, though, because Odell Beckham yeah. is gone. And we've seen Ingram be successful when Beckham hasn't played, you know, all just right. on a volume basis alone. Uh, the quarterback is a sketchy thing, but typically when I am looking at a bad quarterback, the tight end is a position I might be more inclined to go for on a team like that because you're going to see more checkdowns. Like, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier with maybe not believing in the Panthers' offense, but liking Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I think Makes you can sense. say the same thing here, right? Where. If you don't like the Giants passing offense, that doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't like Evan Ingram because yeah. Ingram might be that safety valve player. Uh, so I think that he's a fine value. But I think my favorite of this tight end group is definitely O.J. Howard. Like, yeah, this is probably the main reason you would want to take Ertz over Mike Evans is because, you know, if you don't believe in Evans, you probably do believe in O.J. Howard. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, maybe you don't want Ertz plus OJ Howard. Maybe you take a wide, or a, excuse me, a running back up in that range where Ertz and Evans are going because you know you can get wide receiver later and because you can get OJ Howard in the seventh round. And so sure. he's my favorite tight end of this bunch. With that said, I'm probably still leaning towards wide receiver in the spot, Anderson, Davis, or Fuller, because there are still a few tight ends coming up that I do like. And the next up is Jared Cook at ADP 76.6 or Dante Pettis 78.2. Which direction are you going there? I think Cook, uh, just because Drew Brees and how much he loves those tight ends. Cook Cook was so good last year in Oakland. So, uh, yeah, Cook over Pettis. I would have loved Pettis going into the year, but the fact that they drafted a wide receiver in the second round, a little worried about Pettis. That offense could be so good, so it might not matter. But, uh, yeah, give me Drew Brees' man, definitely. Totally, yeah. I think... I think Pettis is fine, but if you can get the tight end in a Drew Brees offense with Jared Cook, like he's the reason I'm probably not taking any of the guys that we've talked about before. Like I might still take Ebron, or excuse me, not Ebron, Engram or Howard, but if I can get Cook around later, uh, that's who I would like to target. That's who I prefer to target. And so this is where that opportunity cost starts to come in, right? Like if you're weighing Kelsey versus Julio Jones, that's close, right? Both of those guys are elite at their position. If I'm wearing, weighing Cook versus Dante Pettis, like, that's an easier choice for me to say, like, yeah, I don't really care if I pass on Dante Pettis. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> All right, next up, David Njoku, 81.9, or Marvin Jones, 81.3? Oh, man, can I uh, punt on both of these guys? <laughs> you can, and that's a great point. Like, let's talk about that, because if, you, if you're faced with this type of decision, maybe now is when you draft your quarterback, right? Right, yeah, definitely. If, uh, like, Aaron Rodgers, he probably won't be around, but... Uh... If I can get somebody, like I'm looking at ADP right now, Deshaun Watson is going 85 overall. Yeah, give me Watson. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is going 83 overall. I would absolutely take Aaron Rodgers all day uh, because I think Rodgers will be the overall QB1. And even though quarterback is so deep, you're still getting a week-to-week advantage if you are taking that elite guy. I mean, if I have Rodgers and you have Carson Wentz, more often than not, I'm going to get a couple more points on average than you. So, yeah, give me Rodgers over either of you guys. <laughs> so let's assume we're talking about a two-quarterback league, right? And you're not going to get oh, Rodgers yeah. in the zone. And you're probably no. looking at, you know, a more middle-of-the-pack type of guy. And you maybe you already have your two quarterbacks because you paid up for the position. And you're mm-hmm. looking at Njoku and Marvin Jones. I mean, which direction would you rather go between these two guys? Uh, I think I would go Marvin Jones if he is right. If, if he's healthy, I like Marvin Jones. I, I think... Uh, Njoku is so, so talented, but uh, I don't know. 
I'm worried about him. That even though the offense looks so is so good, I feel like Beckham and Landry will get most of that target share. And Joku is a monster though, so I might be wrong about that. I'm 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 a little worried about his skill set and, and his his talent. No, I like him too, but I, I agree with you that Beckham is really a big red flag for him because Beckham is such a good red zone threat. That is kind of what you would be drafting David and Joku for is that touchdown upside. And I think with Beckham in tow, with Nick Chubb coming out of the backfield, like I just don't know how many red zone targets Njoku is going to get this year relative to what he would have seen otherwise. I'm with you. I think Marvin Jones is actually the better value here. Uh, yeah. Next up, Jones's former teammate, Golden Tate. Well, I, I teased this one earlier. Tate's at 90.6, <laughs> Austin Hooper 92.5. What do you what do you think about these two guys? Uh, I, I'd probably go with uh, Golden Tate uh, just because of that uh, reception of floor that you're getting. Uh, I mean, Golden Tate's going to produce no matter what. He's another guy just like Edelman. If you want poor man's uh, Edelman at pick ninety overall, go for it. They could finish very similar, uh, and the Cooper Cup is like right there too. So give me Golden Tate. As much as I don't like him, he's boring. But if you take a lot of high upside guys and you need somebody to fit in that flex spot. You know, that will give you wide receiver three numbers. Yeah, Golden Tate. I don't love Hooper, but this feels like if he's going to have a breakout season, this feels like it. You know what I mean? They didn't bring in a running back in Atlanta. They still have right. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu. Like, I get that. But Hooper did kind of come on towards the second half of last season. And I think the Atlanta offense is going to be good again. With that in mind, I think that Hooper has the chance to be that guy who kind of comes out of nowhere. Not necessarily like a Kittle uh, I'm more like Ebron, I guess, would be a better fit. A guy where we've kind of left him for dead, and he just delivers that, you know, maybe not top three tight end season, but like top five, top six, top seven. I don't know if I really like him more than Golden Tate for all the reasons you listed. I think this one's pretty close. I, I really would flip a coin based upon like what position I need more in this spot of the draft if I'm only right. looking at tight end wide receiver. And that's probably yeah. the answer for everybody, you know, after Jared Cook. But I think that Hooper is okay to pass on, if only because uh, of the next tight end who, who's in ADP, and that's Vance <laughs> McDonald, uh, 94.9, yes. no Antonio Brown left, uh, and M- McDonald's going at a similar cost to D.D. Westbrook, ADP 98.7. I'm going McDonald like 100% yeah. of the time between these two, uh, just based upon the opportunity that McDonald is going to see relative to you know Westbrook in a, in a run-first offense. But uh, do you want to try to dissuade me, or are you on board? No, I'm right on board with you. The second round pick of the Niners, uh, he's always been like a little injured, but uh, he, he's really coming on down the stretch last year. He could be a monster. Like you said, when they don't have Antonio Brown anymore. There's a lot of uh, targets that are open up, you know, a lot of target share. So uh, he, he has a lot of uh, re- re- reception potential. Yeah, he, he's good. He's still young, you know, and uh, he was a second round pick, and he's specifically very athletic and a very good pass catcher, and he's in a very good offense. So, yeah, give me McDonald, man. Yeah, and he, this is the main reason why, like him and Jared Cook are probably the two guys I would point to, and Hooper to a lesser extent for that, you know, that argument that I just made on him. Those three guys are kind of the three that I'm going to be looking at the most in terms of targeting the position. And if I don't feel like I'm going to get at one of those three, like I, I don't know what I'll do. Uh, but yeah. I, hopefully that doesn't burn me too much this season. But those are going to be the three guys that I'm looking at the most. Uh, but I got one more tight end here. Trey Burton, ADP 105.8 versus James Washington, 105.6. Now, I just made the argument that Vance McDonald is going to see a better target share in Pittsburgh. Yeah. James Washington, you can make the same argument, but how do you feel about him versus Trey Burton? 
I'm a little worried about Washington. Uh, they just drafted a guy in the third round. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that Washington would have been like one of the most, the best sleeper picks going into the year, but because of, uh, it gets Pittsburgh in the way they drafted. That's why I'm out on James Conner too. They took a, a running back like in the fourth round. Uh, but yeah, give me Burton. Burton, Burton he's so, so good. <laughs> You're starting to dissuade me. I'm starting to think that, uh, uh, waiting on tight end is better than uh, taking a tight end in the second or third round. <laughs> well, hopefully so the listeners much. are with you, man. That's the whole point of this. That's why I call it an opportunity cost corner. Like, think about the wide receivers you have to give up at the top end versus the wide receivers you're giving up on James Washington. Who cares? There are a million James yeah. Washingtons in the NFL. Amen to that, man. Trey Burton has top five upside, man. I mean, yeah, and you're getting him at 106. That's crazy. I mean, he was a Trinity pick last year, and, uh, and he was like at 100. I think he still finishes as a top 10 uh, tight end, or maybe even top six. He was really good. And, uh, yeah, and Chicago, I, I think that offense will be a little bit better. I, I know you're worried about uh, Trubisky, but uh, Trubisky might be on the career path uh, as, like, someone like Jared Goff. Someone that might not be actually that good, but he's in such a good offense and such a good coordinator, such a good play caller uh, running that offense. He might put up uh, QB1 numbers, and everyone around him will be so good. So, yeah, you can buy in on Trey Burton, and uh, his upside is so freaking good. And if he's not good, you just drop him for the next tight end. You know? Right. So so I guess that's it. Like, from a best ball perspective, I, I agree with you. I think Burton is fine because of that, right? Like, we know that he's going to have some good weeks, but – I, I don't know, because I don't trust Trubisky, because I expect Chicago to spread the ball around a little bit. I talked about that with Allen Robinson. Burton's not my favorite of these guys, right? Like, Because I don't feel like his target share is as guaranteed as someone right. like Vance McDonald uh, or maybe even Austin Hooper. Now, Jared Cook, I, I argued for him earlier, like Drew Brees is definitely a spread it around type of guy. So maybe I'm a little yeah. too high on Cook if I'm you know going to naysay Burton for the same reasons. But <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Like I do have some concerns about him. But again, if we're talking about Burton versus you know, James Washington is the closest wide receiver in ADP. Like, give me Burton all day. I, I don't think that's a hard choice. Um, do you have anything yeah. else on tight end strategy before we move on to Thrones? No, uh, tight end is so deep. So deep. If you're in a best ball, I would draft three tight ends either way. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just so deep. It, it's very top-heavy and it's deep. So, so you, you can pretty much do whatever you like, and you're going to like your tight ends, you know. So any strategy is really valid. I'm personally going to be paying up for a top three guy. But yeah, I mean, you, there's like 12 guys that have legit uh, top five upside. So there you go. <laughs> Good deal. Uh, let's talk yeah. Thrones and yeah. The Bells was our most recent episode. <laughs> episode five, uh, you have taken a commanding lead in our next character to, dry, to die draft. We will talk about that soon. But I just want to get your general thoughts on the episode. And I want to start with... Uh, you know, a, a joke question uh, that compares Game of Thrones to football <laughs> yet again. I like to make the transition every once in a while. Bigger letdown, the Golden Company or Tennessee's Matt LaFleur offense in 2002? <laughs> yeah, that offense in Tennessee was so freaking good. Like, how were they not <laughs> like better than they were? Um, the Golden Company, what the hell? They're just going to hang out in like, the front of the castle and just get burnt to death? Very Strickland, they had like one line. Like, come on. Uh, so I'll, I'll go Tennessee still because, man, it, you put together that much uh, that much talent. Uh, you suck that bad. What the hell? <laughs> I actually kind of like what they did with the Golden Company because it was one of those things where just, again, like Thrones is so good at subverting expectations to just be like, here's this famed <laughs> sellsword company from Essos. They're the best that they have. And just yeah. like that, they're wiped off the board. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're just gone. 
and we don't have to worry about them. We don't have to worry about who Harry Strickland is or was like, cause it didn't matter. <laughs> never mattered because Daenerys Targaryen has a fucking dragon. Right. And <laughs> that's all so, that matters. You, so you got I agree with you. Weapon. Tennessee is definitely, or Tennessee last year was definitely more disappointing. Like Corey Davis, what happened to Rashard Matthews? No one will ever tell us. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I, I agree with you in this case, but, um, yeah, that, that's my, my joke question to kick things off. Uh, what else do you that's think good. about this episode? I, you know, I kind of liked it. It's getting so much hate online, like every other episode this season. It's not that bad. If you think of it as this was George R. R. Martin's vision to uh, finish the, the the whole series, it makes sense that Daenerys going evil and turning into Darth Vader. And I, I actually understand they they laid a blueprint on why she was going to turn. You know, she was burning uh, humans you know she she did so many bad things leading up to this moment that it does make sense she lost everything around her she lost her two children lost Masande, lost lost jorah uh john broke up with her so it makes a lot of sense uh, and the cinematically this episode was so fucking good like Flea Gamble was amazing to watch everything about it it was well acted the, the lannister uh uh, goodbyes between Jamie and uh, Tyrion was amazing. Jamie and Cersei goodbye. It was I really liked it, and it's getting way too much hate. And if, if you think of it that this is George R. R. Martin's uh, vision, I think you should uh, give it a little, a little, a uh, little longer leash. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I think this episode was actually one of the better ones this episode, like uh, this season. I liked it more than the episode previous. One of the, my big beefs, and I and I get a lot of the criticisms, but at the same time, I'm with you. Like, you kind of have to understand that they did try to lay the groundwork for this turn that Daenerys made. The problem mm. is, is they didn't really give enough time to yeah. illustrate her going really crazy. Like, it all happened within the first half hour of the episode, when yeah. it probably should have gotten, like, the whole second half of the previous episode. You know what I mean? And for sure. With that in mind, like, I, I don't mind that. Um, I do have some questions about you know, why she reacted the exact way that she did. You know what I mean? Like the fact that Mm -hmm. instead of just going straight to the red keep and burning that fucker down, like she decided to burn all the civilians who were in the lower levels of the city. Like I I get that you want to make a statement. I get that you're pissed, but she, she really had before that episode been so adamant about like trying to protect the innocent, trying to like free these Mm -hmm. oppressed people. And rather than just go straight to where Cersei was and take care of the problem, she right? decided she she legit went mad. And I mean, again, they, they tried to lay the foundation for that. But the way they compressed it all into like the first 40 minutes to an hour of one episode made it feel I mean, it was definitely rushed, but it also made it feel like a little cheap to me. And I don't think yeah. they sold it well enough. And that was my big issue. But with that said, I, I'm, I'm apologetic to, you know, how the episode <laughs> played out. I don't have an issue with it. Um, what, what else did you think about this show? Yeah, man, with with Daenerys, I was shocked when I was watching. I was like, "Wow, you're gonna murder innocent uh, women and children just because she was saying that they don't they don't like like her, you know? Like, oh, nobody they love you, John. They don't, nobody likes me uh, around. So you're gonna kill them? I, I didn't think that was gonna happen. I thought she was gonna turn bad, but holy crap, <laughs> that was shocking. So uh, and the things in this episode, I mean. Uh, yeah, I, I love uh, Grey Worm just like just killing like like thirty people and screaming and uh, that was pretty badass. Like killing Harry Strickland and uh, throwing that spear at that guy <laughs> after John was saying no, no, no. It looks like it's setting up a John versus Grey Worm or potentially uh, Arya versus Grey Worm battle coming up. <laughs> yeah, that was actually part of what bugged me about the way they kind of sold the Daenerys turn because it, it feels like they actually did Grey Worm the right amount of service for his you know, oh, eventual, yeah. like, breaking point, right? Whereas I don't feel like we got the same level of 
you know, indication ahead of time for Daenerys. Whereas we knew Grey Worm was going to be pissed. You know what I mean? We, yeah. we didn't necessarily know that about Daenerys, or maybe we should have, and or maybe they tried to, and it just didn't track quite as well. But I, I don't know. Like uh, that, that bugged me a little bit. Um, I have, I have a couple of questions I want to ask you, and this is more kind of plot driven. But <laughs> who do you think Varys was contacting about Jon's parentage and his claim to the Iron Throne when he was writing all those scrolls before he got executed? That's that's a good question. The only thing I could think of is they, they mentioned the Dornish prince. I mean, who is on? Who would be on John's side? Yara, uh, um, House Aaron, you know, Robin Aaron probably would be. I'm guess, I think there was three scrolls, so I'm guessing Yara, uh, the the Vale, and Dorne. I'm guessing, but uh, that's a good question. What do you think? Yeah, so I think Dorne's definitely a good choice. Um, the Iron Islands, you know, Yara over on Pike. That that makes sense. I'm curious if maybe he sent one to Riverrun uh, to. Ooh. The Tullys, um, and by the Tullys, I mean the one Tully left. Uh, <laughs> or maybe he sent it to the Citadel, even, like to the Maesters there. I, I'm curious. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I can't wait to see how that plays out in the finale, because I think that matters, right? Like, they wouldn't have shown right. him writing all these messages and sending out these ravens if it wasn't going to come back to potentially, you know, deter Daenerys's plans to rule the Seven Kingdoms. Um, my next yeah. big question, and this is something that I have a, a strong opinion on, but... Brand sent Arya that horse, right? <laughs> Do you think so? Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. That, that was definitely Brand's. Like Brand warged that horse and was like, oh, "There's Arya. I'm just gonna wait till she wakes up." I think they were just trying to be very artsy in that nope. scene. It was like an ashy white horse. It yep. was like the, one of the four horsemen that was death in his ashy horse. <laughs> no, okay, it was Brand. How did that horse survive? How did that horse get there to the exact moment when Arya wakes up? Like. And, that's, right? and that's, this is a kind of a bigger question for me is what strings has Bran been pulling, right? Like we know that he can visit the past and that means that a future Bran can always be looking back into whatever present we're experiencing, yeah. right? And so like I even have some questions about whether Danny and Drogon were acting under their own free will when they decided right. to torch the city, right? Like could yeah. Bran not necessarily have been warging into Danny or Drogon, but maybe it wasn't a direct warging, but maybe it was something closer to when Bran called out to Ned at the Tower of Joy, right? He he called out to his yeah. father and his father turned and looked and maybe it was the wind or whatever, but at the same time, maybe he did hear Bran somehow. And no, he did. Absolutely. Right. And there, and there are questions about like whether the Mad King was driven crazy Turn by down. voices and who were those voices? Were those voices Bran? Was Danny <laughs> like hearing that. similar sorts of voices when she went nuts? Like, I have questions about what Bran is doing, and we'll get more to that later, but I'm just curious, like, what if Bran can influence characters in more subtle ways than pure warging? Like, what if every time Melisandre saw something in the flames, that was Bran? What if, (laughs) you know, like I said, King Eris was driven mad by voices that were Bran? Uh, So I'm curious to see kind of how that plays out, and... If Bran, if Bran is like this world's master manipulator behind the scenes, is he any better than the Night King? Like one can control the living, one can control the dead. Like, and if my theory has any merit, I want to know what Bran's motivation is. Is it all just for the sake of revenge against the Lannisters? Right? Like, because we see Cersei die, we see Jaime die. They die together. We see uh, Cleganes go down, and and they uh, even before you know Clegane, Sandor Clegane became a good guy like he was with the Lannisters he was a part of that crew yeah. and so we're basically seeing this all set up to where Danny's forces are depleted the Lannisters are gone I mean are we really setting up for a, a turn where Bran is like now the Starks rule all of Westeros and <laughs> again if we go back to the betting props we talked about last week there are a lot of signs that yeah. show that oh, you know shit. the Starks are kind of the favorites to lead uh, Westeros when this is all said and done right 
Right, yeah, that's crazy. Everything you said, Rand being the back. I'd be mad too. At eight, nine years old, get pushed off by Jamie Lannister. Yeah, maybe he is the bad guy in the show, and everyone else around him. Really, the, the Night King was actually the good guy trying to trying to save the day. <laughs> right, because he right. doesn't have he doesn't have any attachment to Daenerys, right? And and yeah. Daenerys kind of torching all of those people. If anything, it only helps the Starks kind of set up to overthrow Daenerys too, right? Because those those are fewer people that are going to fear Danny and maybe come to her side, right? Just out of fear alone. I, I don't know. I could see a, a scenario play out where Bran had more influence over the past few episodes than we'll ever really, yeah, than we could have known. And Bran, specifically, the worst thing that he did, he's, he turned Hodor into Hodor. <laughs> that was the most heartbreaking episode of them all. Hodor is the greatest. <laughs> so, so yeah, he's he's an asshole. Fuck Bran. <laughs> right. And I guess my big question, my, my big kind of takeaway here is that we don't really know what the extent of his powers are or what his motivations right. are as the three-head three raven. And on top of that, like... I really don't think he's that much different than the Night King. Like, in the in the yeah. way that he can affect this world and change Absolutely. this world. And so if he actually has, you know, vengeance in his heart and he's trying to act on that in some way, we could see right. him turn out to be some sort of villain here. Not necessarily a villain, but, like, just a vengeful character within the overall arc of the story. And I, I'm curious right. to see what we get from him in the next episode. But we'll talk more about that in a minute. Let's finish out our next character to die draft. You just wrecked me in episode five. Uh, Boom! Don't call it a comeback. (laughs) I I was actually up with the most recent kill uh, being Jorah Mormont, and I was leading five to one entering episode five. Then Varys died, which got you a point. (laughs) Then Harry Strickland died, which I can't believe neither of us drafted that sucker. Me too. That was, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Opportunity missed. Then Euron Greyjoy died. I got a point back there. I, I broke serve. Then Kyburn died, and you broke my serve. <laughs> Kill streak activated. <laughs> then Sandor and Gregor Clegane died together, which gave you two and three points respectively. <laughs> so I don't even know which one got you two, which one got you three, but that was five <laughs> right. points all together. And then the same thing happened with Cersei and Jamie Lannister. You had these two pairs. I should have broken up your stacks. And I. Right. This is one of those <laughs> things where, I mean, take it back to fantasy football, man. Like, yeah. stacking works, right? Or it can work. <laughs> Yeah, man, I picked all of the Chiefs' offense in a in, in a week that they scored sixty five points. It was great. <laughs> I said, "Holy crap, man!" It's funny when I was watching this when like Sandor and Gregor both died, and then Jamie and Cersei died. I was so excited that I was going to beat you. <laughs> I was just thinking about this stupid game that we have more than Game of Thrones. I was like, "Yes, Greg's gone down." <laughs> so, needless to say, Jeff is is absolutely dominating me at this point. It's sixteen points for Jeff and only six man. points for me. With that said, you only have three characters left on your roster who could die. Uh, Yara right. Greyjoy, Grey Worm, and Gilly. Uh, I still have Brienne of Tarth, Jon Royce, Podrick Payne, Tyrion Lannister, Jon Snow, and Daenerys Targaryen. I'm going to get some points there, but I'm going to need a really special circumstance in terms of the order of these characters dying <laughs> for me to even you, think about catching up. With that said, we're going to close it out with two more rounds of picks. This is round 11 and round 12. Uh, and so you are going to have the opportunity to potentially get even more points, which is <laughs> terrifying to me. But uh, you have the first pick in the 11th round. Who are you oh, taking uh, next character to die? It's just my victory cigar. It doesn't even matter. You need four in a row to tie. And I think I got Grey Worm and he might be going down. Give me uh, one of my boys. I just like him. I don't think he's actually going to die. Give me Davos. <laughs> I'm going to be cocky. <laughs> Davos is on my list. Uh, I have two in a row here. I'm, I, well, let's talk about Davos a little bit because I'm kind of surprised neither of us picked him to this point either yeah. because he seemed relatively expendable, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, especially when he got that dinghy, he made that deal with Tyrion. 
I mean, all of uh, uh, Danny's people are just backstabbing her. I thought she might have saw that and just blown him up. But yeah, I mean, he has lived to that ripe old age. And uh, so, I mean, he has found a way to stay out of it. But I don't know, man. Why was he? He was on the front line. He was right next to Grey Worm and John, and he doesn't know how to fight. I thought that was a little weird. I mean, he probably figured that Daenerys was going to figure out that he helped Tyrion free Jamie Lannister. He's like, yeah, fuck it. Might as well yeah. go to war. See if I can <laughs> survive that. Yeah, right? So I got I got two picks here at the 11, 12 turn. I'm going to pick Drogon, first of all. I think oh, that nice. we have to see the last dragon die. I don't... If anything, like I, I have to imagine that Daenerys is going to die. And we're going to talk about this in a minute, but I don't see a scenario where Daenerys dies and Drogon doesn't die, if that makes sense. Now, with that said... Yeah. Uh, maybe we should just get to this question now. We'll save the last round for for this question. But I, I have a couple of dragon questions, right? Like, do you agree that if Danny is going to die, the Drogon also has to die? I I don't. A Drogon oh. it seems to be cool with doing his own thing. Like when Danny, uh, when he got all uh, all all fucked up, like and Danny was alone for like several months with the Dothraki, he was just chilling and just just uh, flying around the world. He's flying to Valeria. He might just go chill in Valeria. I don't think he necessarily needs Danny. I think if Danny dies, like the connection is broken and he's free. <laughs> That's my opinion. Okay, no, fair enough. And and there is that kind of precedent set in the books that after a dragon rider dies, that dragon can take on a different rider. And so maybe we'll see that. Okay. I I don't buy it. I'm going to take Drogon with that first pick. Now, my second dragon-related question here is what means are even left to defeat Drogon, right? Like, we saw all yeah. the scorpions get burned. We don't really know what else can kill a dragon besides a white walker javelin, right? And <laughs> right. so with that in mind, like... What could possibly kill Drogon at this point? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, maybe wildfire, maybe blow up the entire step. But uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think he's going to die. <laughs> I mean, even that's a good pick for you. But uh, yeah, man, what the hell is going to kill him other than a giant javelin? And, they, they, and he killed all of those. I mean, all of those are 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 are, are toasted now. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I don't know. Like, and that is probably the biggest argument against my pick here is that we don't really know what can kill him at this point. Um, all right, yeah. back to the draft. I have one more pick to make, and I, I really don't know who the hell to take here <laughs> because I don't think that Bran is going to die necessarily, but he might, right? Like, maybe he has to die if he if it does turn out that he's the bad guy. I, I don't think Arya is going to die. I think that she's officially, like, the hero of the show, right? I don't think it's Jon. I think it's Arya. Um, right. With that said, I feel like I have to pick one of those two. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of other value to be had here. And so with that in mind, I am going to take Bran Stark. I'm going to go for the full, like, key character trifecta of Bran, Jon, and Daenerys and hope that two or maybe all three of them buy it in this episode. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's Hail Mary time. I'm down by ten points. So I'll take Bran. <laughs> right. And you get one more pick. <laughs> why, why the fuck not, man? I mean, you could get a little kill streak going. So, man, that would be bleak. Talk about a, a bittersweet ending. Just kill all the Starks off. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's going darker than I ever thought it was going to be, so I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't, the Pelicans, uh, we were talking about it, they won the draft. It just happened right now. Oh, you're <laughs> so, kidding me. The, the Pelicans did get the first pick? Yeah, they got the fucking man, first Man, more pick. proof that the NBA lottery is rigged. But anyway, you, you let's... called it. Let's go back to our uh, our draft here. Let's close things yeah. out. I got I got to get to that Warriors game, baby. Yeah, I know, right? Okay, so um, so I'm taking this guy because I hate him. He's the worst character in the show. We talk about a lot. Robin Aaron, fuck Robin Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. I bid you adieu. <laughs> That'd be great if he just shows up and Daenerys just toasts him. <laughs> yeah. If I was making yeah. a smart pick with that brand pick, I probably would have taken Edmure Tully because again, I think that Varys probably sent out a Raven to River Run. 
And I could see Tully potentially being like, oh, yeah, I stand behind the Starks. And at that point, like, maybe he's an expendable character to maybe set up, like, something, like, just more Daenerys madness. But I'm curious to know if we see Edmure in the last episode. I have a feeling we will. Um, I, I mean... I- Let's, let's talk so. about the let's talk about the finale. This is the last episode of the show coming up, and there are a lot of loose ends to tie up. There's a lot of characters we haven't seen in a long time. Like, where do you think the show's going to go? Like, what do you expect to to happen Ooh. in this final episode? Oh man, it could go in so many ways. So I always think back to the the vision that Danny had in season three. I think where she was walking in the throne room with it, what looked like snow, but uh, some people were speculating ash. And it's definitely Ash now. Yep. <laughs> it's Confirmed. Yeah, it's definitely Ash. I like how they had the like the exact scene of of Drogon, uh, Drogon shadow flying over uh, a sunny King's Landing too. So they had a lot of that vision. I mean, they talk about in game. Wow. So I think that that's going to happen. She's going to walk around uh, the the throne and look at. I don't think she's going to sit on it. I don't know. She might still break the wheel. She might destroy it. She might have Drogon uh, kill it. I don't know. <laughs> so. uh so it will be interesting. It, definitely, someone's gonna have to take her out. She's the the biggest evil bad guy. I think John will probably take her out. I would like to see Arya use some faceless men skills. We haven't seen that all year, so I would like to see Arya just kick some ass one last time and kill somebody. Imagine if she kills Danny. What, what do you think is gonna happen? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm kind of with you. I think Daenerys has to die. Who kills her is a good question. I think the best bets are definitely John and Arya. And I, I don't know if we're gonna see Arya go back to the faceless man stuff just because. Right. They haven't really even mentioned that over the past or over this whole season, really. Like, we don't really see that as a part of her repertoire anymore. She's kind of just a badass on her own. So it's like, why would she need to resort to, you know, wearing someone else's face? But, you know, maybe to kill Daenerys, she actually does need to do that. And, man, wouldn't it be wild if she, if it had to be John? You know what I mean? And if yeah, she had man. to, like, if John had to die so that Arya could wear her face and get some, <laughs> like, silly Mission Impossible shit to end the show, like, uh, I'm down. Like, I'm ready for that. Uh, but,. I, I don't know. My my big question is kind of getting back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, what role does Bran have yet to play in this series? Because it's been such a goddamn mystery, and he's I been know. like so hidden from us in terms of like plot and story that it's really bugging me. And if they don't kind of give us more insight into what he's been doing this whole time and what his right. you know powers are, what his motivations are, like that's going to feel really bad to me if they don't pay that off. So. I I don't know. In addition to that, like in addition to those questions, I do feel like we're going to have to get some sort of direct tie in to the upcoming prequel series. And I I don't know how that'll play out, but I think that Mm. it will, you know, it will have to do with Bran, right? Because Bran can see into the past. We can see through his eyes, like as a point of view character to get more information about the past and maybe the long night and what all that meant. Um, I I have like this, this crazy crackpot theory that it would be really (laughs) cool if, like, there, there's been some speculation that this whole thing with Bran and with the Three-Eyed Raven is about kind of maintaining, like, a cyclical nature of time, right? Or these these weird yeah. time loops. And with that in mind, I think it would be kind of cool if we might even see, like, some of the same actors come back in the prequel playing new, quote-unquote, new characters. You know, like, basically oh, they're, cool. the, like, a past life or something like that. Because a lot of what Bran's powers have been expressed to be have been like about shared memory and about the memory of this world. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's not just him. Maybe he's the one who can see it and manipulate it, but maybe Arya Stark is a reincarnation of Lyanna Stark, who is a reincarnation of someone from further back in the past. And I I would, I would, I think it would be really cool if they had some tie-ins like that. If we go back to the long night and there's 
Bran the Builder, and it's actually yeah. Brandon Stark. You know, it's the same right. physical actor playing this character. And like I said, this is tinfoil hat shit. This is very <laughs> crackpot. But I, I think like something like that would be cool. I don't think they're going to go with the same actors because I think that a lot yeah. of the reason why they're wrapping up the show so fast is so they don't have to keep paying these people. Uh, right. but, but with that in mind, I do think we're going to get some sort of tie-in or reference or something to prime us for the prequel series that's coming. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be the long night. It's going to be all about creating the White Walkers and uh, Brand the Builder and, and, and creating the wall. I would like them to go to ancient Valeria. I mean, I, yes. I, I, would, I would love that, man, to see how futuristic all their stuff was and all those dragons and, and why the, the doom of Valeria happened. Like, I would just, I want that to be an entire spinoff. I just, yeah, bring me all the way to, to Valeria, where the Targaryens were like a very minor house. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, George R. R. Martin built such a cool and expansive world here. Like, there, you can go even farther east, right? You can get out to... Uh, a shy by the shadow and uh, like again i'm coming at this from like a really nerdy book reader perspective (laughs) but there's so many untapped areas of this storyline that we could potentially get to and we've only seen like minor glimpses along the way through this song of ice and fire that um i i I have a feeling this is going to become like another you know star wars or marvel universe sort of world where even after the next prequel series is done, there will probably be some other show that's Game of Thrones themed. Like, yeah. and, and it will continue even you know beyond George R. R. Martin's life. If if you know the the way that content goes now, if that continues, like we're going to continue yeah. to see more and more stories from this you know universe. And I think that's yeah. cool. Uh, it's potentially you know challenging, right? Because they have to kind right. of balance all this stuff off each other. Like they can't you know dispute canon in this show with the prequel or with some other right. subsequent series. But uh, yeah, that's. Yeah. A really big question for me is how they tie in the finale of Game of Thrones to whatever they're going to yeah. do next. For sure. It's so intricate. Like Arya even said, what's west of Westeros? Like, we only know a very small portion of the map. Like, what's, like, south of uh, Noth, you know? So I feel like these prequel uh, these prequels will be all about the entire globe. Hopefully somebody will go west of Westeros. I mean, this might be just one-fifth of the entire globe. Uh, Worldos, I think, is what it's called. <laughs> and um, I don't know. God, talk about a, uh, like not a good name. <laughs> but yeah, man. <laughs> All right, so last big prediction. Uh, let's close it out with this, Jeff. When the final credits roll on episode six, who is going to be ruling Westeros? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think it's going to be a small council led by brand i think i'm just gonna go with the, the betting odds i mean I always bet on the house brand will be uh the leader for some reason <laughs> what do so you think listeners just remember that jeff has some like deep reddit leaks here <laughs> like he's been like reading you know all, all the stuff that's coming out I'm sorry. on the dark web about this series that's why he beat me so bad in the drafts is because he cheated and he looked up the answers obviously <laughs> i did not <laughs> so <laughs> Like he's probably right. It's probably going to be I'm, brand. But don't um, you know that every game that I play against you, I win. <laughs> <laughs> so recently, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because I don't cheat, Jeff. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll go. I mean, just for variety's sake, I'll go a different direction and say that. Uh, it's going to be Sansa Stark. I, I don't necessarily really believe that, but yeah. uh, I think that she has as good of odds as anybody. Um, I, I kind of regret not taking her in the next character to die draft because we already know that Daenerys and her are butting heads. Like I think that that might be kind of the straw that breaks Jon Snow's back. You know what I mean? Like I picked yeah. 
you know, Bran to die. Like if I pick Sansa to die, like that's the motivation that John needs to finally kill Daenerys. Right. Um, yeah. so w- w- with that in mind, maybe I'll, I'll play it the other way and say that Sansa is the one who kind of comes out on top of all this That'd because nice. Bran goes and John goes and Daenerys Wait. goes and who were people going to look to, to lead them after that? It'll be the person who's already leading in Winterfell and who was even leading yep. before, you know, John came back North again. So uh, I'll go with Sansa. I don't feel great about it, but uh, again, variety is the spice of life. And, and let's, <laughs> let's mix up the predictions. You know what I mean? I, w- I would like to see Tyrion by her side too. Like they're already married. Maybe. I don't know. She's married to two people at the same time. So I would like to see Sansa and Tyrion get back together. That'd be pretty yeah. sweet. So, I mean, Let's let's talk about Tyrion right before. Like I said, that was the last thing we talked about. But <laughs> that's fine. do you think Tyrion's going to survive this last episode? Because we know that he freed Jamie. I think that's going to become public knowledge yeah. pretty quick, right? Right. I, I yeah, definitely. I think Daenerys is going to try to execute him. I truly don't know. I have no idea. Daenerys is going to call him out, and I don't know how she's not going to kill him. <laughs> but he's Tyrion. He's the coolest freaking character on the show. I mean, they're killing off everybody else, so you got to keep Peter Dinklage, right? <laughs> I, I truly don't know. That's the one thing that's going to be really interesting to see. Daddy's going to want to off him. She's, he's gonna, she's going to want to burn him. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's yeah. kind of the big question for me at this point is like, who, what allies does she have left? Like, she has Grey Worm, and yeah. that's about that's it, it, right? Like, I, yeah. I mean, and at that point, like, you don't have a whole lot of people to protect you, and I don't care if you have a dragon, like, that that definitely right. helps, you, you know, your protection, yeah. but I, I don't know if she can possibly hope to survive against the right. odds that she's kind of set up for herself. And that's kind of right. the, the biggest reason why I don't buy into her, like, going mad. Like, if she's if she's legit crazy, sure, whatever, I get it. But, like, if she's meant to be acting, quote-unquote, rationally as she burned all those people, like, I, I don't, like, it's just not smart. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, that's another reason why she went she went uh, mad. The, 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 the things that are closest to her were her weapons. It was Drogon. The only thing she had was Grey Worm, her best soldier, and Drogon, obviously a nuclear bomb. You know, <laughs> like like no wonder why. Like that's all, that's all she got is is fire and blood. You know, <laughs> no yep, wonder why I she mean, went mad. And she wanted to rule by fear. <laughs> she got that. So yeah, man, I can't mm-hmm. wait to see how this last episode plays out. It's it's been a fun ride. Like th- this season yeah. definitely had some problems. Last season had some problems, but I am still enjoying it. Like if only for you know, seeing how the plot machinations play out. And like you said, to kind of begin our recap of the last episode, cinematically, it's been great. Like clearly the budget yeah. is there and they're making the show yeah. look awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's pure entertainment at this point. Like it, it's amazing. <laughs> like it's eye candy through and through. If like we didn't have, if everyone didn't have their own cons- like theories on how it should end, like this would be amazing to watch. If like I had no idea about the backstory, I'd be like, this is great. This is amazing. <laughs> this is Star Wars all over again, but better. <laughs> yeah and i mean yeah. with with that in mind like i think the big takeaway for me is that w- one of the cool things about the show despite my reservations and my problems with it is that if and when the books do get released like it's going to provide that much more kind of like visual context to what i'm watching or to what i'm reading and mm. you know the the actual written word will spell out all the shit that you know got glossed over by the tv show yeah and Hopefully, when it's all said and done, there will be you know a, a feeling of completeness. And uh, I'm crossing yeah. my fingers. Please get there, so. Mr. Martin. That would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> man, that's all I got. Uh, you, yeah. you have anything else you want to touch on before we wrap things up? No, I'm good. I, I, I'm ready for the bittersweet ending, man. Like it's gonna it's gonna be sad, but uh, I'm ready for it. Cool. So, well, we'll be least, back. At least we're getting more. Yeah, we'll be back yeah. again next week for uh, the epilogue. Uh, we'll kind of recap what happened in the final episode of the series. Uh, and until then, listeners, uh, please. Uh, subscribe to the podcast please rate and review it uh and that would be great Uh, otherwise we'll catch you next time adios